Good morning. This is Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Bryce Dix. Earlier this month, the state of New Mexico decided on its next steps away from fossil fuels for transportation by approving regulations prioritizing more low-emissions vehicles on the roads, including electric vehicles. But concerns of infrastructure equity for EVs still remain for a state that is largely rural. On this morning's Let's Talk New Mexico, we'll explore these new rules and how they'll shape the future of transportation for all New Mexicans. Plus, we'll dive headfirst into efforts to make EVs more affordable. We're going to kick off the hour by meeting a scientist who was at the forefront of making the new rules to break them down for us. Then we'll pivot to an environmental advocate and EV owner to learn about the benefits of owning a low-emission vehicle. And we're going to hear from a local car dealer about why this transition might be happening too quickly. Finally, we'll chat with the New Mexico Department of Transportation to get a sense of what's in the pipeline to improve EV infrastructure across our state. And of course, we want to hear from you. What questions do you have about EVs? Do you own a low-emission vehicle? What has your experience been like? Do you live in an area with few, if any, electric vehicle chargers? Send questions or comments to letstalk at KUNM.org or call in and we'll take your questions live on air this morning. The number to call is 505-277-5866. That's 277-KUNM. So we have several guests here in studio, but first I want to introduce Dr. Angela Rosa. She's an environmental scientist with the New Mexico Environment Department's Climate Change Bureau. Thanks for joining us virtually this morning. Thank you so much, Bryce. And my last name is actually Rasso. Rasso, excuse <laughs> me. Um, I'm, I'm very glad you've taken the time. Earlier this month, two powerful regulatory boards approved laws kickstarting an eventual statewide transition to low emission and electric vehicles. Now, since not everyone might be familiar with what has changed, can you fill us in on what these rules would do for us and who they would target? Absolutely. So let me start with what these rules do and what they don't do. So these rules are requiring that a percentage of the new cars and trucks that auto manufacturers deliver to New Mexico be electric vehicles. And that requirement doesn't start until the 2027 model year, which can begin in calendar year 2026. That and then the requirement. Go ahead. Go, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Uh, that requirement then continues through the 2032 model year, and then it stops. So there's no requirement in these rules in the 2033 and beyond model years. Mm -hmm. So um, I imagine these these terms are going to come up this hour. Can you just explain to us what the difference between you know a plug-in hybrid vehicle is and a hybrid vehicle? And also, what is a ZEV? Absolutely, I can explain that to you. So a hybrid vehicle is, I think at this point, everyone's ridden in or driven a Toyota Prius. So that's <laughs> kind of the flagship hybrid vehicle. It has a battery, but it also has a combustion engine. And as you drive, the combustion engine and your braking charges the battery, and then you can use the power from the battery to drive or to idle your car. A plug-in hybrid vehicle is like a hybrid vehicle, except you can also plug it into the wall to charge the battery. So plug-in hybrid vehicles have a range that you can drive on just the battery. It's called the all-electric range. Finally, the final one here is electric vehicles. So these cars don't have a combustion engine. They only have a battery and you drive entirely based on power from the battery and you have to plug them into, plug them in to be able to drive. Zero emission vehicles are, right now they're pretty much all electric vehicles. It's a vehicle that has no tailpipe emissions. Or like a electric bike, for example, can be a ZEV, right? Just, just for... Clarity's yeah. sake. Yeah, usually an electric bike could be a ZEV. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I did want to talk about these rules because you and your colleagues were very involved in this rulemaking process. I really want to know, can you give us a little glimpse into what that looked like, what that process was like being involved and, and how those conversations were being developed? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined the, the rulemaking team after the rules had already been initiated, so I can't talk at all about the beginning of the initiation <laughs> of the rulemaking. Um, but when I joined the Bureau, they were already in the works. There was a draft of the rules, and that was the draft that was published when we asked the um, environmental boards to hear the rules. And we really started going through and looking at 
our assessments of how these rules would affect New Mexicans, how much they would cost and how much they would benefit New Mexicans, what the air quality benefits would be, what the climate change benefits would be, um, and really making sure we understood the full impact of the rules before we went through and finalized all the details. I already have a caller this hour, and I wanted to bring them in. Steve, you're live on air. What was your question or comment for the show this morning? Hi, are you talking to me? Yes, I am talking to you. What was your question or comment for us? Well, hi. Um, my name's Steve. I live here in Albuquerque, and um, I own a, an EV already. And uh, But I, I also want to... I attended the governor's conference on the future of transportation in New Mexico. I was very disappointed because uh, for two reasons. Number one, all it, all it talked about was EVs. It didn't discuss any anything besides that, um, uh, like public transportation or active transportation. And it didn't talk at all about the drawbacks to, to EVs. Um, EVs are going to be worse in, in terms of killing and injuring people in accidents. EVs are going to be worse than, than combustion vehicles because they're quicker they're heavier and quieter, and uh, EVs um, are because they're heavier. They actually produce more uh, particulate air pollution, and that's the kind of air pollution that really you know gets deep into your lungs and causes heart attacks and and strokes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just transitioning from combustion vehicles to EVs doesn't do it doesn't address the the problem of uh, the uh, vehicles uh, occupying roadway and parking spaces doesn't address anything about the the cost of traffic congestion, doesn't do anything about uh, um, addressing the sedentary lifestyle that that vehicles foster with the associated health costs like obesity, diabetes, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and finally, um, uh, combustion vehicles are, uh, some of the road building is in in New Mexico, not all of it by any means, but a lot of the, the, the financing for roads comes from fuel taxes, and, and uh, I didn't hear any discussion of how uh, that fuel tax uh, revenue is going to be replaced since, since uh, EVs are going to be um, charging, not, not fueling. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, it, no one even discussed the, the difficulties with um, financing the road system. Um, and I would, I would say that we really need to be de-emphasizing uh, vehicle use in general and, and, and transitioning to public and active transportation, things like walking, riding um, electric bikes and bicycles. The, the most popular um, electric vehicle is actually an electric bike. More, more electric bikes are sold every year than electric cars. Well, um, Steve, I, I think I want to jump in here because, Angela, you were really involved in this rule-making process. Did you guys think about, because he's talking about pedestrian safety there. I know he's talking about... Uh, public transportation overall so you probably can't talk to that but what was in what did you guys discuss in terms of pedestrian safety because you know evs they make less noise as he was saying they are heavier on average significantly heavier um what did that look like when you guys were making these rules and and having these discussions you know i i'm I'm gonna agree with the caller thank you steve for bringing it up because i i agree with you so to reach our climate goals even with zero emission vehicles, we need to reduce the amount we're driving, especially the amount we're driving alone in our cars. I know I drove into the office this morning alone in my car. We should be carpooling. We should be riding our bikes. We should be using public transportation because really those are, even in a zero emission vehicle, even in an EV, those are much lower emission ways of moving around. Um, But getting to the safety part of this, uh, cars... EVs are heavier than their gas-burning counterparts, mm-hmm. and they are quicker, which makes them fun to drive. Um, <laughs> th- but it is actually a problem that we're having where we as Americans, we as New Mexicans, we like big cars, right? Even just since I've started driving, and I'm relatively young, we've gone more and more from small cars, from sedans, into bigger SUVs, bigger trucks, and those, those cars are heavier, too. Um, as far as the quieter, most electric vehicles, they are quieter, but they actually project a sound that's similar to driving a car mm-hmm. when they're at low speeds. So pedestrians can hear them. Yeah. I also wanted to address, I, Steve brought up talking about particulate matter and increased particulate matter and com- internal combustion engines. So cars that burn gas 
do produce particulate matter as well. Heavier cars produce more particulate matter as they drive on the roads, but combustion engines produce the precursors to ozone. And we have an ozone problem in the state, and ozone is really bad for you to breathe. Mm-hmm. It's on the same level as particulate matter. Well, uh, kind of on that topic, because these the adoption of these rules will bring New Mexico up to par with California's low emission vehicle regulations, right? Why are states looking to adopt these standards Um, and what do they mean for car manufacturers broadly? Because um, there's a little bit of discussion about that and and how different states have different uh, ways that they build their EVs. And sometimes car manufacturers want to build one single car um, for one set of regulations. Can you speak a little bit about those California low emission vehicle regulations? Absolutely. So there's multiple parts to this rule. I talked a little bit about the zero emission vehicle, the electric vehicle requirement. But another part of the rule is that there's the low emission vehicle requirements for cars and tr- and light duty trucks are included as cars. And those requirements are tailpipe emission standards. So it regulates the amount of pollutants that come out of the tailpipe. Oh, well, and let me ask you, because I heard light and medium vehicles there uh, why are heavy-duty vehicles missing from this equation? Is there a reason for that? So heavy-duty vehicles are also part of the rule, but it's a different part of the rule, and they're regulated slightly differently. So starting with your medium-duty trucks, so that's about an F-250 and mm-hmm. bigger trucks, all the way up through your big tractor trailers that are hauling stuff across the country, those are covered under medium and heavy-duty vehicle rules. So those have different requirements for both the tailpipe emission standards, the low emission vehicle standards, and they actually, under this, under the advanced clean trucks part of this rule, have their own separate zero emission vehicle requirement. Mm -hmm. Well, I I did want to go to another caller. Um, Jaina, you're live on air. What was your question or comment for us here at Let's Talk New Mexico? Hi, I just wanted to say I'm really glad this is being adopted. We have to do more. We have to do everything we can for the climate because I'm really worried about my kids' future. And I know that cars also, I used to live right by the highway, and my daughter started getting asthma symptoms. When we moved away, it got better. Um, And I know that cars cause a lot of pollution, so I'm glad we're moving away from that. Uh, I was interested in knowing how quickly it was happening, but we do have a plug-in hybrid and we hardly ever need gas for it. It is terrific. And I know, you know, in eight or 10 years or so, the car I want to get is an all EV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Jaina, thank you so much for your insights on this. Um, we're going to go to a break in a moment. I'm going to ask Camilla Feibelman with the Rio Grande chapter of the Sierra Club to chime in on this conversation. Uh, but of course, we're going to go to this break. By the way, our phone lines are open. You can call 505-277-5866 or email us at letstalkatkunm.org to join the conversation to share how you feel about the transition away from fossil fuels to low emission vehicles. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Bryce Dix and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Bryce Sticks, and our focus today is a set of new regulations kickstarting a transition to low emissions vehicles across the state. Have any thoughts? Maybe you own an EV yourself, or maybe you live in a rural area that would make owning a low emissions vehicle pretty difficult for you. Give us a call, 505-277-5866. That's 277-KUNM. We can also be emailed at letstalkatkunm.org. Uh, before we go to our next guest, I just wanted to play a voice message left, to, left uh, for us by a listener, Shelley. My name is Shelley, and I'm with New Mexico Health Professionals for Climate Action, a group of clinical professionals, medical professionals, public health folks, all of which understand that climate change is probably the largest threat to our health, and especially the health of those that are most vulnerable. So I am a EV owner. I got solar on my roof, and I've got an EV in my garage, and I absolutely love it. I have to tell all of you, I made sure that my EV is under $25,000. Bought my first one in 2018, a Nissan Leaf, 150-mile range. They called me a pioneer. But it was fabulous, really, for driving around town everywhere I needed to go. 
sold that one to my daughter, even you couldn't get good used cars, and bought a used Nissan Leaf, a 2020, under $25,000. It has a range of 225 miles. I just cannot recommend it enough. No maintenance cost. It's kind of amazing. And haven't even set up a charger, although I know I could. I just plug it in with a 110, you know, into the, the outlet in my garage. So I just wanted to introduce Camilla Feibelman. She's the director of the Rio Grande chapter of the Sierra Club. It's an organization that promotes the exploration, enjoyment, and protection of Earth's wilderness. Thank you so much for being in studio with us. Thank you. Really appreciate you. So I introduce you as an EV owner, but you're soon to be buying an EV. But as we listened to what Shelly was saying, what there resonated with you? Did she say anything that you agreed with, disagreed with? Right. Well, I think the thing to remember is that the average driver in New Mexico really drives under 30 miles a day. Even though New Mexico is a big rural state, the large majority of drivers live in Albuquerque or Santa Fe or in Las Cruces. And the way these rules work is that dealers are required to bring percentages of EVs to New Mexico, but it doesn't say where they have to deliver them to. So mm-hmm. take somebody like me. I live, you know, close to here, probably a mile and a half from here, <laughs> really close to the airport. And both my husband and I li- work in offices that are a little over a mile from the house and the school's a little bit further. So I own a car outright that I paid off over the years, and really the only reason I would go out and buy a new car is because I can improve my kids' air quality and because I can save money at the pump and because I can protect the planet. For a lot of women drivers, having to go to the gas station at night is not a lot of fun or not knowing really where you're going to gas up. So with electric vehicles, most drivers charge at home overnight. PNM has reduced rates for people who are charging at home. And mm-hmm. on our PNM bills, we're seeing more and more savings. For example, this month, you'll see an Energy Transition Act savings from the closure of the San Juan generating station. So the electric sector is converting, the automobile sector is converting. And we're doing that because our kids are at risk. Mm-hmm. This is the hottest year in human history. Our northern part of the state has burned down. We're underneath a heat dome all summer long. And leaders from around the world are gathering as we speak at the UN Climate Summit Mm -hmm. to see what we can do. And we all have to do our part. Those of us at home, those of us in business, those of us in government, this is an emergency. And if we don't do something about it, it's like leaving our kids in a closed car in the sun for hours on end. Mm -hmm. That is how serious the risks of inaction are. Well, I have a ton of callers this morning. I wanted to go to Ruth. Thank you so much for calling into Let's Talk New Mexico. What what was your question or comment this morning? Hi. Um, My comment is that I have been a LEAF owner for seven and a half years. I love my LEAF. I charge it home. It's great. Recently, I was rear-ended. I've been forced into going out on the market and buying a new leaf because Mm -hmm. I will not go back to an electric car. And I've been very disappointed at the lack of selection locally. It feels like things have not changed in eight years. There's only two leafs on the lots in Albuquerque right now. Um, I think we lost you, Ruth, but I think this would be a great um, question to post to you, Camilla, because the transition to EVs is much more complicated than it seems. She's talking about um, the affordability of electric vehicles. Um, even according to Kelly Blue Book, new electric vehicles on average cost about 10000 more than their gas-powered alternatives. And I wanted to ask you, how do we offset this huge markup that we're hearing from Ruth right now? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, I think what Ruth was saying is that she has a Nissan Leaf, she loves them, and she wants to buy a new one, and there are only two on the lot. So a Nissan Leaf or a Chevy Bolt are around $27,000. If you add 
the federal tax credit of about 7500 the promised EV tax credit at the state level here, upcoming hopefully in the next legislative session, and a potential rebate from PNM, you could get over $15,000 off the price of a car. So that's something like $12,000 that you would have to finance. Mm-hmm. With the price of an average used car in New Mexico being around $30,000, this is an opportunity for buyers like me who are middle income to actually buy a new car for the very first time. So what this rule does is require that there is more selection in New Mexico. In 2022, we broke 5% EV sales here in New Mexico. There have already been sales of over 4,000 EV cars here in New Mexico just this year, making it the hottest year for electric vehicle sales. And what Bloomberg says is once you hit 5%, sales start going up exponentially Mm -hmm. and you can see a four-time increase over just a couple of years. So what we need is more cars on the lots. During the hearings on this, person after person stood up and said, I had to go out of state to buy an affordable electric vehicle. And then we heard, well, you know, uh, these cars are just too expensive for New Mexicans. Will you look at what the new cars on the lot are? And they're Mm -hmm. heavy, they're expensive, and they're polluting. And parents like me with a 7-year-old and an 11-year-old who's newly Uh, using an inhaler before soccer practice want clean cars and we want to stop climate change and that is what this is about. So there's also the question of EV batteries because those definitely have a jaw-dropping price tag associated with them. Um, According to J.D. Power, the cost of replacing a battery in say a Tesla Model 3 is approximately 13 grand. Um, That's over 30% of the sedan's overall price. Just doing some quick math here. Uh, How do you justify this to someone who may be on the fence about going electric? Well, let me ask you, when how, how much does it cost you to repair your transmission on a gas vehicle? Okay, so most of the warranties on batteries are much longer than your average warranty on a gas producing or a gas using car. So between eight and 10 years. Yes, a battery pl- replacement can be expensive, but so can most major repairs <laughs> of most cars that you're buying. So this is something we have to do is say, compared to what? Okay. Cars cost us all a lot of money. On an electric vehicle, you're saving upwards of $16,000 over the life of the car on gas. You don't have to buy any gas. Maintenance on electric vehicles um, is a lot lower. So we're mm-hmm. talking about incentives to buy the cars, savings on operating the cars, and public safety and health benefits. So you might have to eventually replace your battery. It'll probably be while the car is under warranty. If it's a lemon, you've got protections there. And and overall, the savings are huge. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to say uh, on another tangent about batteries, because the question of the damage that mining for these rare earth m- minerals in these EV batteries does a lot of damage to the earth. Well, let's take um, that. Well, oh, sorry, Bryce. Well, I wanted to ask you because yeah. oil and gas and fracking does do damage to the environment as well. I just wanted to know how you weigh those pros and cons That's of right. the mining for rare EV minerals and also the fracking of oil and gas here in New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, it's called life cycle analysis, okay? With oil and gas, you have to constantly extract Okay, so our rural counties in New Mexico get F grades on air quality in rural environments because of what we are spewing constantly in the air, because we constantly have to fill up over and over and over again. EVs are one-time investments. The batteries are infinitely recyclable. We're seeing massive new battery recycling facilities in South Carolina, in Las Vegas. We're seeing incentivizing of onshore production of batteries. Our lives are impactful, okay? Everything that we consume is from China, whether it is an EV battery or the plastic junk that we have at home that we can't seem to get off of. So we have a big job to make our lives more sustainable. 
Um, but we also always have to ask compared to what? Mm-hmm. We are extracting oil and gas every day right here at home. New Mexico is now the second largest oil producer in the country. And that means we are spewing out methane gases that are doing severe damage to our climate and that are creating health hazards for our kids on the ground. Mm-hmm. So we've got something that we've got to transition on, but the Biden incentives really push us to start to develop what we need here on shore and deep, do deep uh, EV battery recycling. And by the way, those batteries uh, on clean cars are are guaranteed up to 100,000 miles. So my 10-year Corolla hasn't even hit 100,000 miles. Angela, um I wanted to circle back with you as we talk about battery production. Um, Recycling is a messy business with these high environmental costs. How should we be think of it in terms of, you know, climate science? Um, I'm wondering because is it better than sticking with our older cars for longer or is it better to just invest in these new EV cars now? I'm I'm really interested in what you think about that. Well, thank you, Bryce, for coming back because... Our analysis, when we look at it, we see that a new EV compared to a new gas car, so not necessarily the car you have now, but Mm -hmm. a new gas car, you're having about half as much climate impact over owning that car for 10 years. And and what data backs that up? Um, I'm wondering on how you got to that conclusion. So that's actually data from the Energy Administration, the Federal Energy Information Administration. And they base that on energy analysis of gas and the impacts of drilling for gas and producing gas, as well as the impacts of producing power and the impacts of producing both of the cars. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for chiming in. I, I did want to go to another caller. I, I've mentioned multiple times this hour. We have a ton of them. Uh, Sam from Santa Fe, thank you so much for calling in. Hi, thank you. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to speak briefly to my experience of trying to buy an electric car in New Mexico, which involved waiting for months for a Chevy Bolt to come available from a dealer, um, and even looking at buying one from another state and having it shipped in. Uh, so I eventually was able to pick one up used, and it's now my daily commuter 80 miles up to Los Alamos and back, and I can do two days between charges. So it's a great vehicle now that I have it, but there are just not enough in the state right now. And I was seeing uh, cars that had been uh, used for about a week going back on market for 5K over MSRP. So it's the prices really, you know, as soon as they come down and as soon as, uh, you know, they're we're selling cars at MSRP and they're available on the lot. I know a lot of friends, I know a lot of people who are interested in buying these affordable EVs. So I'm just wanting to share my frustration in the past with, just trying to get a vehicle and my excitement for these rules really increasing the supply in the state, maybe even giving us a decent secondary market of used EVs for you know folks like me to go shopping for. Yeah, well, Sam, I think I have the perfect person to talk about this. Um, I did want to give room for uh, Carlos Garcia. He's in studio with us. He's with Garcia Automotive Group. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Really appreciate you. Um, we heard from Sam about a little bit of an issue trying to find some EVs on some car lots. Can you explain why that's happening for us? Sure. First of all, I just want to say that, uh, you know, the, my family and the car dealers and uh, Camila's cause and, and our, we agree on probably 85 or 90% of what's <laughs> out there. It's just the reality and the implementation of this type of mandate is what's difficult. So, you know, we've invested millions of dollars as car dealers uh, uh, and provide a lot of jobs into developing our readiness for EVs, which we know are coming and we want to be part of the future and be part of the solution. It's just the way that this happened uh, isn't practical for New Mexico and mm-hmm. it's not economically reasonable. It's not something that's going to work for everybody uh, or, or even most New Mexicans. I mean, it's an inherently... Uh, racist mandate that it it really comes after Hispanics and Native Americans, which make up 62% of our population. But on the terms of selection, uh, you know, you, we keep hearing this, but if you if you look at it, the the demand for EVs, which you can pull up any news website now, uh, the demand has slipped so much for them that as car dealers, I know the brands that we sell with the EVs, 
We have plenty of them. Um, but when I hear these people talking about having to go and look and find the car and they were selling for more than sticker, that was during COVID. And after the supply chain issues that happened affected everything, it wasn't mm -hmm. just cars. So, you know, pointing the finger at the car dealers isn't really fair. We couldn't buy anything that we wanted after those supply chain issues. So, um, and 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 I don't say that that uh, EVs are too expensive. You don't hear me saying that they're yeah. they're coming down in price, um, and uh, that's certainly a fact. And they're the the smaller ones that nobody really wants are are not are going to keep coming down in price. It's SUVs and trucks until there's a comparable replacement. Uh, that's what's going to really move the needle. And right now, there's nothing that comes close to those cars. So in terms of selection and having to go look out of state. Um, you know, right now there there are a lot of them out there, and I think it's you know people looking for a reason to uh, uh, try to poke a hole at the car or, or poke fun at the car dealers and say these cars yeah. aren't available, but they're there, and the people that have them can't sell them. I mean, I just looked at the websites here for the Nissan dealer, the lady talking about the Leaf. Well, the Leaf is getting phased out; they're going to a totally new platform. Uh. They have a new Nissan that's replacing the Leaf called the Aria, and one of the Nissan dealers here in town just wholesaled. 18 of those vehicles to another state, um, that which was Colorado. They lost $1,500 a car to send them up there because they couldn't sell them here. Uh, and uh, they sent them to Colorado, which actually has a state incentive right now, which we don't. So for every person that says that they can't find them, I can show you plenty of dealers who have a ton of them. Go look at the Ford stores and see how many they have. I mean, everybody's swimming in the cars except for the really inexpensive ones. And the people that uh -huh. want the really inexpensive ones tend to be, you know, people that drive by themselves, they drive a short distance, they yeah. don't have family, their kids are grown up, they're retired. I mean, every person we heard in the public comment during the hearings, well, it works great for me, it works great for me, was what we kept hearing, but we need something that works for more New Mexicans. And, yeah. a, and a Bolt, you know, we keep hearing about the Bolt and these small EVs, they don't work for most people, you mm. know, for... Camila's situation, absolutely. She lives a mile from work. She drives her two kids. It probably works, but there are people that need SUVs. There are people that need trucks for work. So the Bolt is just a, a weak argument, and, and I think to a certain extent the Leaf also, because these cars are so small, they just aren't really uh, good choices for or, or um, applicable choices for comparison. You know, what Camila again talked about, or Dr. Rosa said, compared to what, or Russo, sorry, I said her name wrong or Camila said, we're comparing it to what? So we need to be comparing. You drive a Subaru Outback. There's not an EV that does what you need that car to yeah, do. So you're not going to be right. in the market for one, period. Yeah. End of discussion there. So it's just uh, using the Bolt and the availability of, of the inexpensive cars. And the inexpensive cars are going to come when more of these sell, which they are. I mean, I don't deny that. The more EVs that sell, it's going to bring more in the market and it's going to drop the prices. But mm -hmm. something this new, you know, the legacy car makers, uh, the traditional car makers we know, we're still selling under 2% EVs in New Mexico. That's nothing. So all these people are supposedly buying them. And if everyone's saying, oh, we're going to keep our car for 10 years because it has a battery warranty, well, how do we think that these cars are going to get back on the market? I mean, it's going to take a while before people start buying more of these cars and trading them in a normal life yeah. cycle to get more on the road. So it's not a car dealer thing. It's it's a demand for the manufacturers and for the people of New Mexico, which have largely not adopt these, adopted these cars into their lifestyle. Yeah, so yep. it's and really then there's a, rural New Mexico. There's a lot of issues yep. going on. Um, I'm going to cut you off real quick. We'll go back to you. This morning, we're talking about newly approved regulations governing low emission vehicles, and we want to hear your thoughts or questions. Our phone lines are still open. You can call us at 505-277-5866 to join in on the conversation. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. I'm Bryce Dix, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. I'm Bryce Dix. We're talking about new rules propelling New Mexico towards a transition to low emission vehicles this morning. And we want to hear your thoughts. Do you think we are ready to push gas and diesel away? Do you drive an EV? If so, what are the pros and cons? Let us know. Call 277-KUNM. That's 505-277-5866. You can also email us at Let's Talk New Mexico. Uh, let's talk at KUNM.org. I am so sorry. Used to saying Let's Talk New Mexico. Um, I was just talking with Carlos Garcia of Garcia Automotive. We're going to go back to that conversation in a moment, but I did want to go to another caller because we have a 
slew of you folks uh, this morning. Joseph from Shiprock, thank you so much for uh, calling in to the show. Are you there, yeah. Joseph? Hello? Hi. What was your question or comment? Oh, yes. Uh, just really quickly, uh, I'm calling from Shiprock, New Mexico, here on the Navajo Nation in uh, north, northwest New Mexico. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I could uh, just, you know, I, like talking to, to uh, community members and tribal leaders up here, you know, let the electric vehicle um, is, 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 is supported, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and with, within our communities because we're seeing those, uh, you know, the, the electric vehicles coming through our, our tribal communities and, and, you know, there's different aspects of it. Um, I think more importantly, it, this is more about economic, economic development, uh, mm-hmm. for us because you're getting these, um, these drivers who are coming in from Texas, uh, Colorado now that they have a really nice tax, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh funding source that yeah. I, I read about. Then of course, you know, like California, these drivers are coming in with their families and they want to like pull over and charge their vehicles and spend some money, you know? Yeah. And, and if, if our tribal communities can, can, uh, uh, be part of that, if, if we could get that infrastructure built out, uh, into, uh, you know, where like my, my family, they, they're in the arts and crafts, uh, business, um, you know, then this can be a, 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 an additional opportunity, uh, you know, to, to have, uh, new customers, you know, um, then of, of course, you know, the access to electricity, uh, for, for those of us who, who, uh, who, you know, can benefit from, from these, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, well, exception like, like these, uh, energy hubs, you know, at, yeah, at, yeah. at our homes, microgrids, you have, you know, the power walls, that can really be... I, I really... Joseph, I'm going to have to cut you off there because we have so many callers this morning, but thank you so much for your insights. I wanted to jump to another caller as well. Um, uh, uh, Javier with in Albuquerque, thank you so much for calling. Javier, thank are you, you there? Uh, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. What was your question or comment? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Okay, thank you. Yes, uh, my name is Javier. I am a Hispanic Latino, and and uh, all my friends uh, want to uh, uh, buy an electric car. Mm-hmm. And also, I am an architect, and and uh, in uh, my latest project, uh, uh, I, in in a, in a pueblo here in uh, New Mexico, the entire fleet is going to convert into. Um, uh, electric vehicles. So mm-hmm. we are we are uh, providing uh, thirty chargers for the building administration of this of this building. So um, it's it's really great that, uh, to hear that New Mexico is catching up with the with the rest of the of the country, and and I appreciate the the, the work that everybody's doing. And of course, it's going to take a lot of collaboration with the car dealers, and I appreciate also the the, the investment that the car dealers are, are doing to to bring a, a better uh, technology because it, energy is not is not that uh, uh, fuel anymore. Energy is a technology. We live in the 21st century, yeah. so we need to uh, get on it. And that's it. And thank you for the show. Thank you for to the to the panelists. Awesome. Thank you so much, Javier. Um, I, I, I had Carlos Garcia here in studio. Um, he's with Garcia Automotive. And I wanted to go back um, and talk a little bit about these rules because I did hear a lot of testimony when I was tuning in to cover these rule uh, hearings. Uh, and one of the concerns that I heard um, was the effects EVs might have on mechanics, for example. Can you explain to me what those concerns are? I, I heard a little bit from actually Garcia itself um, from mechanics. Yeah, so I think... The the reality of the situation uh, on that is um, it, it probably was not uh, conveyed in the, the the easiest way for people to understand. But yeah. I think you know right now there are so many car dealerships. We car, as car dealers in New Mexico, and and as it trickles down into repair shops, you know there's 
over 17,000 New Mexicans employed by the service industry, plus all the suppliers and things like that. I mean, it ends up being tens of thousands of people. I think... uh, so part of it is the misnomer that EVs, these people, you hear the lady say that the car, that the, uh, the caller said that an EV is zero maintenance. You heard uh, them, uh, Kamila, talk about the warranty. Well, the, the battery warranty and the warranty on the rest of the car are two different things. So yeah. I'm not as concerned for my technicians because in my experience, I was the first car dealer in New Mexico to put an EV charger in my dealership in 2009. I was so far ahead of everybody when we yeah. sold the electric smart car. But I, I guess what I was trying to get at is EV maintenance costs are not as expensive as a regular car yeah, or a regular vehicle. In the short term, vehicle. that's true. But in the long term, it's it's it ends up being more. And the thing that people aren't understanding is there's a difference between maintenance and there's a difference between repair. And mm-hmm. these cars are machines. They're computers. So talk about the batteries, fine. But all the computers and the systems that run the car and run the regenerative braking, those are only covered by the short-term three-year warranty on the vehicles, which nobody wants to acknowledge. So when those systems go out, those are three, four, five thousand dollar repairs. So I'm not as concerned about my shops because I'm an OEM dealer. I sell Honda, I sell Subaru, yeah. I sell yeah. Infinity. Yeah. You know, Mercedes Benz, who's the leader as far as I'm concerned in EV technology. The cars break far more than the internal combustion cars do, and when they break, they're far more expensive to fix. So once these cars start to get out of warranty, my technicians are going to do just fine. I think that as, as internal combustion cars go off the road, certainly there's going to be a drop-off in employees in the automotive service sector, and I think that's what the people you heard, that's what their concern yeah. was, and that's going to happen. Um, but. It's there's the other side of the coin is EVs have way more technology that's going to go wrong that's going to come out of customers' pockets and it already does go wrong. I mean, if you're replacing your te- there are plenty of people with Tesla batteries being replaced under warranty now and it's they're happy about their eight year warranty but when that's coming out of your pocket the average American has eight hundred dollars in their checking account and you got to write a check for thirteen thousand uh, dollars to repair your car you're going to be just as upset as if you had to replace an engine and transmission on your Toyota mm-hmm. so. It's really, if you look at the numbers and you look at what, you know, my world is real numbers. It's not speculation about what's going to happen with EVs and incentives and all these things that we don't know about. I'm in the dealership every day. I talk to customers. I talk to my employees. I see what's going on with these cars. So at the end of the day, they're they're not going to be any cheaper. And and actually today, they're not any cheaper. Yeah, you're not doing brakes and you're not doing oil changes and stuff like that. I get it. But the other repairs that you're doing are costlier, and they're not they're not covered under warranty like yeah. the battery is. Yeah. So there's a lot of misinformation there, and I think that people are kind of being misled on that. Yeah. Uh, we do have to get to one more guest that we have on the show this morning. I wanted to introduce Jerry Valdez. He's the executive director of the New Mexico Department of Transportation. Uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us virtually by Zoom. Um, and you're in Utah today, right? Yes, Bryce. Thank you for having me today. Well, uh, yeah, and I I really appreciate you. Um, I did want to talk about these new rules, obviously. That's what this whole show is about. But they inherently aim to get more low-emission vehicles on the road. How is the state preparing for an influx of EVs and hybrids infrastructure-wise? Because that's been a missing component of this conversation right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you again. I I am in Utah today looking at other technologies other than just uh, EV charging infrastructure. Uh, So technologically, there's uh, individuals and corporations and universities moving towards that end. But on the short term, uh, the USDOT has provided funding to states to uh, build out an interconnected network of EV charging stations nationally. And New Mexico, uh, both through federal and state funding, has received approximately $50 million mm-hmm. to invest in infrastructure throughout New Mexico. And so that $50 million um, is really the catalyst to make sure that we're creating the um, infrastructure needed for the needs that as the adoption of EVs increases, that infrastructure is in place to meet that demand. I did want to go to a caller, um, Lars from Albuquerque. Thank you so much for uh, calling in. Yeah. Hi. Hello? 
Hi. Um, it sounds like you're driving. Um, can you get off uh, speakerphone, please? Yeah, so my question is, it's my understanding that that road, the roads are maintained through fuel taxes. And, you know, the EVs don't use any fuel, so you're gonna, we're going to have a deficit, I guess, of taxes. We're going to lose money on taxes. And, you know, EVs are very heavy also, and so they do create a lot of wear on the roads. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the plan there in terms of, of uh, revenue for, for road repair? Um, Jerry, I, I'm, I'm assuming you heard Lars there. He's talking about, you know, yes. EVs are great, but he's concerned we're not paying for fuel and the fuel tax to help for road repairs. What is going to be, how are we addressing that issue? Um, have you thought about that in New Mexico Department of Transportation? Absolutely. And, and Lars, thank you so much. You're absolutely correct. Um, I mean, as the adoption of EVs increases, that fuel tax revenue decreases and it, uh, really is the way we maintain our roads. And so we are part of a consortium with Western states uh, to look at road use of charge. And there's multiple uh, options that are that are being looked at. Uh, one, um, the easiest way is to increase the registration fees. There's some states already that have increased registration costs for electric vehicles, uh, not to disincentivize, but to collect that revenue that would be lost. Mm-hmm. And so calculating the, the revenue that would be lost through fuel tax for the maintenance is being looked at currently from a policy perspective uh, through our legislative policy uh, working groups. And the other option, uh, which again, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we're, that Utah is part of that consortium. Uh, they have a pilot program that allows in the the question about rural versus urban, right? And the costs associated with that fuel tax. Yeah. And what Utah has done is that they have increased the registration fee, a uh, fixed increase on EVs and uh, plug-in hybrids, but you can opt into a, a voluntary um, per mile charge that if you're not driving those long distances, that they would charge you uh, a fixed rate per mile, that if it was less than the increase in the registration, that you would pay that lower rate. And you would never pay more than the established increase on the registration. But if you didn't drive the vehicle, you know, again, like, like others that are driving urban areas that don't put a lot of miles on your car, you're paying approximately a penny a mile. And if you exceed that total registration increase, that it would be capped off at that total. So we're absolutely working with our sister agencies uh, across government in New Mexico, as well as states across the western part of our coalition to you know work on this issue because it is a real issue. And DOT is concerned about that lost revenue, but we do have plans and we are exploring what our options are. I did want to go to another caller, Lynn from Corrales. Thank you so much for, for calling in. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me when you want me to start. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're good to go. You're live on air. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I recently rented an SUV Volvo electric car, and they I had a meeting to go to in Colorado. They told me that I could easily make 200 miles, and there were charging stations along the way. It was a really cold day. No one told me that in an electric car, the battery drains faster. I barely made it to Pewaukee, went to a Tesla station. They couldn't help me because I didn't have a Tesla. They told me where a charging station was. I plugged in, and they told me the car would be ready by 6 p.m. It was around 9 Mm a.m. I got stranded in Pewaukee. I barely made it to, um, to a place where I could check into a hotel and plug in for the night, which really didn't work that well. Um, So I think we were talking about infrastructure right now. When I went to an electric company, there was also a charging station right outside of Española. They told me that we're 30 years out before we can develop a decent infrastructure for electric Mm. cars if you want to go any long distance. Mm. 
So I, I wanted to ask you, Jerry, as you're hearing this, there is a problem with rural infrastructure, as we've kind of mentioned across this hour, especially northwestern New Mexico. As you're listening to Lynn talk, what is New Mexico Department of Transportation doing to address charger equity? It sounds like it's a big issue for some folks. Yeah, absolutely. The equity piece in providing access to clean zero emission vehicles in rural New Mexico is critical. We don't want to leave behind any part of New Mexico, and equity is important to us. And so what we are doing, and we recently partnered with uh, a multitude of local governing bodies across New Mexico, um, we received formulaic funding of $38.387 million that is guaranteed a portion of the state for expansion through our alternative fuel corridors, which are those main corridors that, you know, driving on the interstate, interconnectability with the states around us. But the discussion around rural New Mexico is an important one. And uh, what has been provided through the bipartisan infrastructure law is $2.5 billion for local communities to apply for funding to build out not only in corridors, but in communities across New Mexico. And so we applied to the USDOT uh, this this last spring, we should be getting announcements on the awards uh, later this month, uh, approximately $159 million in additional funding. And so that discretionary grant funding is intended to really build out rural New Mexico. The, the first $10 million invested by the state was geared towards rural New Mexico, places like Angel Fire, Pecos, Truchas, Ojo Caliente, mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. in southern New Mexico as well. There is a huge need in northwest New Mexico, like you mentioned. So we will be engaging with our tribal partners, uh, as well as uh, Secretary Mountain, to make sure that we're working with them to provide the technical... Well, Jerry, I'm so sorry I have to cut you off right now because I hear the music coming in. That's all the time we have today. Thank you to everyone who called in. I know there's a couple of you we didn't get to. I'm so sorry. And to each of our guests, Camilla Feibelman, Jerry Valdez, Angela Rasso, and Carlos Garcia. If you missed part of the show, you can stream it online or subscribe to the podcast with Spotify or Apple. We'll have the audio posted on this episode's page at KUNM.org shortly, along with a list of the resources that were mentioned throughout the hour. We're also on Facebook at KUNM Radio if you got lingering questions or thoughts for us. Thank you, as always, to our hardworking team. Our engineer is Marino Spencer, Mia Casa, Screened Your Calls, and Kabe Movehead produced today's show. And, of course, a very special thanks to Daniel Montano for manning a morning edition for me so I could prepare for the show and be here. Um, I'm Bryce Sticks. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM.